actually the sun was fulfilling part of what we're going to talk about today. Last time I was talking here, um, we talked about being saints. Uh, Paul, can you put up my first one? It's a, it's a pink looking slide. It says priest on it. Um, thank you. Nice job. Uh, priest. Last time I talked about how we're all saints. Okay, do you remember that? I think we have Ephesians 2, 18 to 20 there. Let's just remind ourselves. Everybody in this room who is a Christian, everybody in the entire world that is a Christian, everybody that has ever lived that is a Christian, and everybody that ever will live that was a Christian, uh, sorry, that will be a Christian, are saints. Okay, there are no special category of Christians that are better than any other Christian. Okay? Uh, and that we should uh, pray to or speak about. Uh, now, should we speak about certain people with reverence? Sure. You could say, wow, we really appreciate everything that the apostles did, and we really appreciate everything that um, Corey Ten Boom did or that Billy Graham did or, or, or whatever, for sure. But they're not to be venerated in any human sense above and beyond every other believer because we're all saints. And today we're going to learn about the fact that we're actually all priests. So, Paul, go ahead to the next slide. We're going to just remind ourselves about being saints. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Okay? We have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundations of apostles, prophets, and Christ Jesus himself, who is the cornerstone. Everybody is a saint. Okay? So we can move on from there now. We're going to talk about being priest. Now, it sounds a bit funny. I want to take a minute to talk about priesthood and priests. Uh, anybody who's growing up in a traditional church or actually in any other religion will be familiar that uh, there's always a, a group of people that sort of lead the religious ceremonies that are often called priests. Okay? Uh, if you grew up in one of the traditional Christian denominations, uh, your priest may have worn gowns or what they call vestments or purple and white clothing or so on. Or if you grew up in a more uh, austere version of that, they might have had a lot of black on but with a white collar. Um, other religions have priests. You may see them wearing orange or you may see them wearing all black or having special hats or special clothes or special linens. In fact, all, most religions throughout history have had some form of priesthood, maybe with different names. Uh, but we're all used to that idea of priests being a special class of religious person. Our culture is seeped in it. For example, most people, when they find out I'm a pastor, will for, for the first little while, regardless of what background they have, they will call me a priest until they get it, that I'm not a priest, uh, I'm a pastor. But they mean, when they say priest, they mean, oh, like the Catholic or Anglican guy that has a collar that's in the movies. And you always can laugh at movies, right? Movies, you can tell a movie when they didn't hire a Christian to help them understand churches, is when they have a church like ours, and the guy at the front has a collar on. And you know, uh, they didn't ask anybody about what it's really like at a church, because you never ha you know, it doesn't happen like that. Right? Culture doesn't understand it. Uh, for example, uh, I can tell you this, visiting a church, visiting a hospital as a pastor can be an adventure when you're not wearing a collar. Here's how unsafe hospitals can be, never mind before COVID, let's say. Somebody could show up with a collar and just say, I'm the priest, and they'd be like, welcome. I walk up and they want to see my ID, because I don't have a collar on. Okay? It shows you how culture itself is seeped to the idea that there's a special class of people called a priest, regardless of religion or whatever, and they are the ones who basically uh, function as the re religious leaders. We'll talk about that in a second, but we're going to quickly learn from Scripture that, in fact, all Christians are priests. So I hope you know that this morning. You are a priest. 
You can literally, you can try it if you want, maybe somewhere that gives discounts to priests. You can go and say, excuse me, my pastor told me I am a priest. I would like the 10% discount, please. And I'll see if that works. Okay, uh, so let's be, uh, start by understanding what priest and priesthood means. Okay, so we'll look at what the culture thinks priest is. Okay, this is a, right out of the Webster's Dictionary, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. A priest is one, listen to this, one authorized, that's an important word, one who is authorized to perform the sacred rites of a religion, especially as a mediatory agent, mediatory agent between humans and God. Okay, so I'm going to break that down to simpler English just so we're clear. It's one who's been given permission to perform the normal thing, the things that people do in their religion, especially as someone in between humans and God. That's how the culture understands the word priest. That's how most people understand the word priest. And they say, for example, it says Anglicans, Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, You have different hierarchies and so on and so forth. Okay, so that's how the culture understands priests. Actually, that's how a lot of Christians understand priests. And God bless them, but they're completely wrong. It's okay. They're just not the way God intended priesthood to be. So in Christian circles, especially in Protestant Christian circles, there's a doctrine called, or teaching called, the priesthood of all believers. Okay, that's what it is. And basically, fundamentally, again, so I read up on what the culture thinks this means. And it's quite humorous because this is what it says. Oh, the priesthood of all believers is a, a doctrinal principle of the churches of the 16th century Reformation. You all heard of Martin Luther? Do you guys know who he is? He was a guy in Germany, Wittenberg, Germany, who him and uh, he started this whole thing. They called it, well, they say he started it. I don't want to get too long to church history, but anybody who's really studied church history know Martin Luther was not the first, nor he was the last. And he, whatever, and oh, he started the idea of the priesthood of all believers. At best, he maybe rediscovered something. Okay, he did not discover it. And I want you to remember, folks, and uh, I'm going to do my best here. Remember that all of our church history at that time is focused mostly on what was going on in Europe. Do not forget, there were Christians in other parts of the world at the same time who were already doing things in Northern Africa and in the Middle East. They were still Christians there who were still living. So the Europeans rediscovered this idea. And for for the culture to even think that this is where it came from is silly. The idea of the priesthood of all believers comes from Jesus Christ himself and from his apostles. Okay? And so what this doctrine and what this teaching means is that all humans have access to God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the high priest, okay? And we don't need a mediator. We don't need anybody between us and God, okay? Now, uh, well, we'll get there in a second. I think I'm going to get there. Uh, this wasn't, so it wasn't discovered at the Re- Reformation at all. This, in fact, was the normal church until we ruined it with all our religion, okay? So let's read from Peter, okay? We're going to read First Peter. Now, it's super meaningful and important that we're reading it from Peter, and it's Peter that teaches about the priesthood of all believers. Anybody want to guess why it's super important that it's Peter and not Paul that harps on this? Because the entire idea of the papacy is built on Peter, and the man who it's built on would say, no, there is no such thing as a cast of priests. That is the mediator between man and God. Peter himself taught the exact opposite of that. And that's why we're going to read it. Now, I'm not here to bash on Catholics, okay? I'm just saying that they're mistaken in this way. I can't say it any other way, okay? There is no papal 
uh, dispensation. There is no need for us to have someone who speaks to God for us. God does not speak to the Pope, so then Pope tells us what to do. That's not how it goes. Okay, it's just, I'm sorry. It's just, if I'm offending anybody, I'm sorry, but we don't believe that at all, and we believe that the apostles taught the exact opposite, and Jesus himself taught the opposite as well. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Therefore, rid yourself... Uh, go there, go to that one. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. It'll be there later. Just keep that up. First, I'm going to stop there. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And I want to pause, and I want to, I hate to go here again, but we have to go here again because of the age we live in. We need this reminder. We must get rid of these things in our Christian lives. And you say, well, I don't, I don't do malice and deceit and envy and slander. Go watch social media. You sure as heck do. And I do it too. And there are way too many Christians engaged in these things. That, so we can't even talk about being priests until we've dealt with verse 1. You see, I don't even want to get into it. It's like a kid saying, well, I want to learn a piano. I want to play Beethoven. You can't play Beethoven until you can play chopsticks. And you can't even play chopsticks until you know which button is which. And you can't even know which button is which until you know how pianos are made. So you can't be like, yeah, I'm going to go out, priest, priest of all beers. I'm going to go be a priest. And Paul, Peter is saying, hang on a second. Let's start with this. Rid yourself of malice. What is malice? Malice is having ill feeling towards someone else with the intent for them to experience harm. Okay? Not just physical harm, but you want someone else. I hope that person doesn't succeed. I hope that person fails. I hope that person's plan doesn't work. I hope they don't get what they want. Malice. Deceit. Well, I mean, the internet is deceit. Always telling our kids, careful what you read on the internet. Just because somebody says something doesn't mean it's true. Let's talk about it, right? Deceit on the internet. I, I spent a week this week. Uh, we'll get there later. We'll talk about it in a second. Hypocrisy. Well, saying one thing and doing another. I think we know that. Envy. Uh, we call envy in today's modern world is called FOMO, fear of missing out, right? You see other people like, how come so-and-so is on the beach and relaxing and I can't be in a thing and I'm, you get jealousy builds up in you. Uh, slander, well, slander, I mean, that is the number one product of social media today. Slander, oh, you're, you don't vote for the party I vote for, you're trash. You don't like the politician I like, you're garbage. You don't go to the church I go to, I hate you. You don't do this, and you say, oh, that's not happening? Oh, yeah, it is. All over the place. And from time to time, we might even participate in it, and that's something we need to stop. Okay, so sorry about the segue, but if you're involved in these things, if you're listening to me, you're hearing me, and you're doing any of these things, please just stop. Please. Christians should be the last people on earth. In fact, we should never be engaged in these things. Can you have opinions about things? Sure, but, to, but do not go out there with envy, malice, and deceit, and slander. Please do not do that. So it goes on to say, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Stop. Okay. Pastor Armory is already covering this really in his series. But I want to remind you here. Now, Peter, Pastor Armory has been using a lot of Jesus' teaching and Paul's teaching. Peter here is now saying, so that you may grow up in your salvation. 
So folks, there is a growing up to do. Okay? There is an expectation of growth. This is not something to wear you down. I've been hearing many preachers, even preachers I know, saying, oh, don't put burdens on people. Don't make them feel like they have to do something. That's because you're looking at it all wrong. Don't look at growth as a burden. Look at it as a glorious promise. Just look at it from the right angle and you'll see that you're free to grow. Can you imagine buying a tomato plant? Oh, this beautiful tomato plant. Look how nice it is. And I'm gonna, but I don't want it to grow. Because if it grows, I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to water it. I'm going to have to give it sun. I'm going to have to trim it. I'm going to have to make sure it's okay. I'd rather it just stay like that. Okay, you'll have a nice little tomato plant that doesn't do what it was made for. So in the same way as Christians, when you come to Christ, God accepts you from wherever you are. You come to him in repentance and accept him as your Lord and Savior. doesn't matter what you've been doing. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how nasty your past is. Come on in. But once you're in, there's an expectation to grow up in your salvation because you see the Lord is good. And it's a glorious promise that we grow and, dare I say the word, improve? I was at work this week and... I won't go into details. Actually, there's somebody here that works with me, so they'll know exactly. And there are times where you just want to lose your flipping mind. And you want to scream and shout and whatever, but you learn as you get older, oh, this isn't the best thing to do. This isn't the right time to do it, so I won't do it. But a toddler, what do they do? They just, I'm upset about something. Okay, and here's the problem. Now we've got so many 35-year-old toddlers... 45-year-old toddlers, or how old are Biden and Trump? 70-year-old toddlers. Okay? And everything is like, I'm not getting my way. And you want to say, grow up. It's the same thing in the church. I want to be a priest. I want to be a priest for the Lord. Okay, first get rid of envy, malice, and slander. And then grow up. Do you know one thing? It's a weird thing. Some of you old people won't know this. This is, I'm like caught in between. I'm middle-aged now, so there's things that really annoy me about young people and things that really annoy me about old people, okay? <laughs> there's this one thing that young people do. Uh, when, they, when they want something or need something, they, they like post it, and they post what's called a Venmo. So those of you who are older may not know what that is. But a Venmo is like, send me money, basically. Uh, John's laughing because he's seen these sort of things, right? And they'll be like, oh, uh, yeah, my computer screen broke, and I'm a graphic designer, I really need one, so Venmo me, ven me, and they'll post it on the social media. Like, I guess, that's really bold. Like, there's a real boldness in there that's almost impressive. But to the older generation, we're like, uh, you have a job. Save up and whatever, right? But there's a boldness there that's interesting. But what I'm saying is, okay, there's a time where you have to grow up and realize, hey, the world ain't here to buy your screen. That's how it goes. Welcome to the real world, bub. Okay, and in the church, it's the same way. Yeah, I, we are here to help you as pastors and leaders and whatever, and church and worship and do small groups and do kids' church and do whatever we can. But especially with COVID happening, there's a certain point in time where you got to do your own thing. you got to grow up. You know? Those of you who are entering university and stuff like that, do you notice the change? University professors are like, yeah, here's what I'm teaching. Tough luck. Keep up. Okay, you ready? Let's go. And you're like, oh, hey, but professor, yeah, okay, but I think it might fail. Not my problem. Right? And then you've, uh, I was talking to a young lady on 
Thursday who's starting neuroscience all online because of the rules. And she's a bit taken aback, right? And it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> welcome. Right? It's tough times for people, but it's time to grow up. Don't stay babies. God's ways are immeasurable. God's ways are awesome beyond knowledge. Wouldn't you want to grow into that rather than just staying at this infantile understanding of things? We want to grow up. All right, so let's continue. Now we're back in 1 Peter. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. I believe I have that one up there. Please put that up there. Okay, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so as you come to him, he says, you're going to be built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. Now, I want to be clear. The audience, okay, on listening to these words at the time would have been ultra familiar with this language. We're not so much. First of all, part of the audience was Jewish, and they were very much used to the priest hierarchy, okay, and the high priest and the chief priest and the sacrifices and so on, bringing them to the temple. And then even all the pagans, they probably came out of Greek and Roman, Greco-Roman pagan cultures where you sacrifice a Zeus or Artemides or Ares or Venus or whoever. So they were used to priests doing stuff too, okay? It was very normal language for them. We're not so much the same, but uh, I would argue that we just give our sacrifices in different ways. Right? Uh, maybe the way you, you know, spending money on sports or spending money on Starbucks. Many of you sacrifice to Starbucks every day, right? Nobody's, nobody agrees with me? How many of you make sure, I got, how many of you, I have to have my coffee today. I have to have my coffee today. You're just doing your daily sacrifice, right? You're giving money to get your thing. Is everybody acting like I'm talking a foreign language here? That's, if you don't think it's, hey, mine is Coke Zero. I have one every day. But, but I, yeah. But, like, I'm not acting like I don't have that. I'm just saying we all do it differently now, okay? But back then, okay, the priesthood of men was appointed. Like, under the law of Moses for the Jewish people, the people of Israel, they had animal sacrifices that would come. Literally, they'd bring it to the temple, and you'd be like, okay, these are for my sins. And there would be, there's all sorts of rules set up. Sparrows for this, and this, and that, and that, whatever, okay? And actually, uh, Yom Kippur is coming up in a couple of weeks. This weekend is Rosh Hashanah, so there's lots of things the priest would do, but also even in the pagan religions, okay? But, but... All of that is foreshadowing of what was to come. And by one sacrifice, Jesus put an end to all that. Okay? He put an end to the actual sacrifice, but not to the idea of priesthood. Okay? Look at Hebrews, Hebrews 7, okay? 23 to 25 says, There have been many priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So Jesus came to be the once and for all chief priest. Okay? And the sacrifice, which used to be bulls and goats and sheep, is him. He replaces that by his sacrifice on the cross, and there's still a priesthood. Okay, so this is a mention of priesthood, okay? And they understood it. But Christ, okay, now says that this office or this way of being a priest goes to all Christians, okay, through the outpouring of Holy Spirit, okay, that we, re that we read about in Acts chapter 2, okay? Now, I want to be careful how I say this. I'm saying everybody's a priest, and it's like, oh, okay, great, so we're all pastors. 
Put the brakes on. Okay? Priest and pastor are not the same thing. Pastor is a gifting. Priest is a way of being, like a saint. Okay? Follow me now. Pastor is a gifting. We read in Ephesians 4, right, that God gave what? Apostles, pastors, not prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. They are a gifting. God gave those giftings. Why? I've said this so many times this summer. Why? For the equipping of the saints to do the works of ministry. I'm going to paraphrase the Bible, if I may. God gave apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the saints to become priests. For the works of ministry to become priests. In your home, in your office, on your street, wherever you are. Okay? That's what we're talking about this morning. And so, yes, there is a truth that some of us have giftings that are different. Okay? So, you will say, uh, even, and part of it's our fault, and I say our general church, because we use, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, we use titles like pastor in a cultural sense. Okay? Oh, well, you're leading a church, so you're a pastor. Unfortunately, culture has shifted that way that we use that, and actually it's not a proper use of the term pastor. It's not. Okay? So, for example, some of you might not even know this, but Pastor Omri, my, who has many titles, okay? So he's, by the way, his name's not Omri. His first name is actually William, for those of you that don't know that, <laughs> okay? But you go, what? He's not hiding from the law or anything. That's just his real first name, okay? William Omri Davies, and he's a husband to Gwyneth, and he's a father to a bunch of us, and a grandfather, and now great-grandfather, and all that stuff. And you say, oh, yeah, but he's the pastor. Actually, dad is a prophet. His gifting is prophetic, and he was called out 50 years ago. Actually, he was called out in the womb. There was a prophecy when he was in my grandmother's womb that he would be a prophet. That's a whole other story. We'll record that one day. But I think you were 26. So 50 years ago, he was called as a prophet because that's the gifting that's in him. See, so some of us have, if you want to use the word special, you can use the word special, but some of us have specific giftings. But the giftings that people are given are not to lord over people. They're all to equip you to help you become priest and to live the life of priesthood. Okay? So, for example, even me, I'll tell you this very honestly now. My, my parents don't like it when I say that. I'm not a pastor. That is not my gifting in the pastoral. Those of you who are really close to me know I'm not the best warm and fuzzy guy. No. Right? And the ones that really know me are laughing because I'm not really like that. Okay? It's not really my gifting. It doesn't mean I can't pastor in certain situations. And in order for the culture to understand what I'm doing, we say, well, he's a pastor. Okay, but those are just titles and things. I don't want you to get messed up in that. It doesn't mean that God, because when we have, we're all priests, that there is no church leadership. That's not what we're saying. Okay, but the shepherds and the teachers of the church are priests too, and so are you, which have unique gifts. And we need each other. You know, the Bible talks about the body of Christ. One part doesn't say to the other part, you know, oh, I don't need you. You know, and the other part doesn't say the part, I don't need you. We all need each other in order to do the work of God that we have to do here on earth. Amen? Okay, so let's go back to this thing now. So we're built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So a priesthood is a group of priests. And who is Peter talking to? All Christians. So I feel like we're done. Let's all go home. We already know we're all priests. Okay? But we're a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Uh, What's the word holy mean? Anybody want to take a crack? Are we all afraid? 
What does the word holy mean? Huh? Set apart. Yeah. Uh, who is that, sir? Purity. Yes, actually, it's actually without blemish. Okay. A priesthood, a group of priests without blemish. It means there's a way we're expected to live. And you know what? The culture understands that. That's why there's so much anger when a pastor or a priest or somebody does something dishonorable. Even the culture goes, oh, what a jerk. I can't believe he did that. Because they realize there's something about having that position that you should make you live differently. And it's easy to point at the people running the show, but the command here is to all of us. Not just the people at the top. That we should all be our world priesthood. Ho- Sorry, that's the next one. I've jumped ahead. A holy priesthood. So, oh, I can't be without blemish. No, but you can be through Jesus Christ. When you live to him, live for him, dedicate your life to him, uh, repent, live a life of repentance and grow in him, you can live a life that, as some people say, is righteous. That's a good word. Righteous. That is right. Amen. Oh, I could go on there forever. Okay, we're going to skip a little bit to the part where it says, but you are a chosen people. I think that's the next one. A royal priesthood. Yes, thank you. A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So glad we had that testimony earlier because it speaks about the darkness there. So you are a chosen people. Now, this is important, right? Because Peter, a Jew, is now, who was, is now talking to a mixed audience of Jews and former pagans, saying that you are a chosen people. It's not just for one group now. It's all believers are chosen people, a holy nation, sorry, a royal priesthood. So why are we a royal priesthood? What is royal about us? I talked about this last time, our sainthood. I hope somebody remembers. What makes us royal? It has nothing to do with a song by Lord. My mom got it, but I don't want her to answer because she's my mom. I probably learned it from her. So anybody else? What makes us royal? Certainly nothing special. Maybe some of you are descended from royalty. You ever notice that? Everybody on TV, when they do their DNA thing, somehow they were related to some prince or whatever. My dad's back 400 years, and it's, ah, they're all farmers. Sorry. (laughs) Nobody famous in our bloodline. Anybody? Why? What makes us royal? I just kind of gave you the answer. Exactly, because Jesus is the king, so we are his kids, and by inheritance, we are royal. And so we can be in assurance of that fact. Holy and royal priesthood, every one of us. Uh, King's kids, as the thing used to call it. So we have this inherited inherited place. So you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Let's go back before when it talked about the uh, holy... Uh, priesthood, it says, uh, it talked about sacrifice, and now I'm losing it, so I'm going to go back there. I want you to think about, when it talks about declaring the praises of him who called you out of darkness, it's talking about a sacrifice. Remember the old priest in the old day would literally sacrifice a goat or a bull. And I don't want to be graphic with you, but you know what that meant? They would take a bull over a bull, and they would slit its throat, so all its blood would gush out. Okay, as a blood offering. Uh, Hold on a second. You have to hear this. Then they would take that bull. They would eviscerate it. That means they would cut open his stomach and all the gunk would fall out. And they'd burn all the gunk. Then they'd cut it up and put different portions around and burn it as a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice. Does that sound clean and nice and easy to you? 
But the priest did the dirty work for the people. Yeah. You say that one more time. Yeah. The priest did the dirty work for the people. Yeah. Not the pastor, the priest. Who are the priests? Yeah. All of you did the dirty work for the people so that they could have their, 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 their connection to God. But now we can go directly okay, through Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? The dirty work. Jesus did the dirty work. Okay? And so we can come to Christ because of that. And we have this. Now, our response is our sacrifice is not a bull or a goat, but it's praise. How many of you are in the church in the 1980s? Remember the song? Yeah. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Remember that song? I never liked it when I was a kid. The, the reason was I sat near the organ and they went bonkers. Those of you who remember back in the old days. Okay, but that song, right? We bring a sacrifice of praise. We don't bring bull and goats anymore. So we bring praise. What's praise? Okay, what is praise? See, come on now. It's, 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 it's useless to know Bible words if you don't know what they mean and if you don't do them. The world is full of people saying big words. I have a thing I told my brother. Little people love big words. Do you follow me for a second? I don't mean little people in this sense. People who are little in mind love big words. Okay? What does it mean to praise God? Giving him glory. How do I do that? Let's get unchurchy here. How do I give God glory? Okay, sing, pray. What else? Yeah, Yeah. the way you live, the way you act, the way you talk. Everything is praise. Don't box it in. Everything I do is praise. So as a priest, I'm living, a, my sacrifice is praise. So you declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, as we heard this morning from Carlos, into his light. Praise him. Don't talk about ourselves or our church or our own ideas. Praise him out of darkness into light. Christians, in 2020 especially, with COVID and everything going on politically, do not... Spread darkness. I'm going to say it one more time. Don't spread darkness. I'm starting to see that many Christians want to be prophets and don't want to be priests. Everybody wants to be Jeremiah proclaiming destruction upon the people. But I'm going to remind you one thing about Old Testament prophets who did preach destruction. They never preached destruction without preaching about redemption. And there are many false prophets in the church today who are speaking nothing but absolute garbage, rubbish, actually lies from the pit of hell. I listened to a man for a half an hour this week. I waste my time to save you time, okay? Half an hour this week, because this weekend is Rosh Hashanah. For those of you who don't know, that's the Jewish New Year. And actually on the Jewish calendar, calendar, it is now the year 5781. Okay, last year was 5780. This year is 5781. I listened to a Christian prophet talk for half an hour about how five, seven, eight, five means this, and seven means that, and eight means this, and one means that, and trying to tie it into American politics, and trying to tie it, whatever, garbage, total, utter garbage. We have prophets, and we need prophets, but we are called to be priests. And what do priests do? Priests connect with God, Amen directly you don't need don't please christians hope you're hearing me don't spread darkness in this age we're about to enter the second wave of covid and i see the panic spreading across everywhere friends on facebook and various whatever in the in the the media and so on and so forth don't spread the panic 
Spread the love and joy and peace of Jesus Christ. You're a priest. You're a priest. You're no good priest if all you're doing is feeding the same social panic that's happening out there in the world. Amen? Don't call people. Imagine telling people, I've got the answer, I've got the answer. More darkness. Call them into the light. Amen? The light will expose everything. Don't worry about secret plots and secret ideas and whatever. The Bible says everything that's hidden shall be revealed. Don't worry about it. He's got it under control. We act like this is the first time in history this stuff has happened. I think, I don't know who I was talking to just yesterday. It might have been my mother-in-law. You have people who literally went through two world wars. The whole Soviet regime, people who lived in Russia, went through two world wars and the whole Soviet regime... And we're telling them, like, oh, can you believe COVID? They must laugh. They must laugh and say, my whole life I was either under the Bolsheviks, the Tsars, or the Soviets, and the Nazis, and you're trying to tell me about how hard your life is because you can't go to the mall? So, anyway. Priests don't overreact. Priests understand that we give a sacrifice of praise. We focus on God's light, and he brings us out of darkness. It says, you were once not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. So all Christians are of that priesthood. Amen? All have the right to go to God through Jesus Christ. Remember that verse? Uh, it's one of the ones that, it's in there. Again, what does it say? There is one mediator. There is one mediator between God and men, Jesus Christ. Christ. Okay? So when you were going out there just saying, hey, uh, my pastor taught us we're all priests, so I want you, I'm going to gather people to myself now and tell people, listen, if you have a need from God, I'll, I'll pray for you. What is it? Okay, good. I'll pray. Uh, now, that's, it's true. You should pray for people, but do, it's not that you have to pray for them to get what they need from God. The better way is to say, let's pray together. Let's do it together, you and me praying for you and teaching them that they can do it on their own. Amen? That's truly lifting somebody up and truly helping somebody. That's true priesthood. The Bible says this, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. The book of Revelation says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. I've even gone to that. Not only are we saints, not only are we our priests, we're made kings. We already touched the royal thing, okay? So we get a lot out of this. this is, that's John, by the way, saying that. John the Revelator. That's in the book of Revelation. So the New Testament repeatedly teaches that Christians are all priests. And you can see why we need to wear masks. I just spat all over the thing. All Christians are priests. When we believe the gospel of Christ, we are added to the body of Christ, and therefore we are part of God's priesthood. Amen. It gives access to all who believe. All right, let's look, end with this. I believe I have it. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. We're going to hunker down here to finish up. Therefore, okay, stop. It's a good Bible word just to teach you again for those of you who haven't heard it. Whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, highlight it, do something, and really pay attention. Go back and read the chapter before. Then start reading. Because what happens when you're reading the chapter before, you're going, ah, and then therefore, therefore it's telling you they were setting something up and now we're here, okay? Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, stop. In the Old Testament, uh, um, my gosh, I'm forgetting the covenant, we could not enter the most holy place. Only who? 
Only the high priest could enter the most holy place. Now here again, the writer of Hebrews, who was probably Paul, but we don't know, says, we now have confidence to enter that holy place because we're all priests. Because Jesus is the chief priest and he's qualified us all. So now, in the old times, if anybody else went into the high place where the chief priest went, the holy place, they would die. When the chief priest used to go in there, they would tie a rope to his ankle. Because if he went in there sinful, some of them would die. The presence of God, they would die in the presence of God, and they would just drag them out by the rope. Okay? But now, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we all have access to the most holy place. I want to talk about this now again. Where do we have access to? Listen, the most holy place. So the next time somebody tries to tell you that they hear from God more than someone else, or they had, oh, I was, I was, these people, I went to heaven, I was talking to God, and I was here, and then Gideon showed me a secret room, or Michael the archangel showed me a secret room. Rubbish, garbage, rubbish. We all have access to the most holy place. There's nowhere special other than that. God's not showing anybody any other secret rooms. We all have access to the most holy place. By the blood of Jesus Christ. By a new and living way opened through us through the curtain that is his body. Again, i got to just quickly tell you. See, in the old old temple, the, the holy place was guarded by a massive curtain. It's hard to even tell you. Like, I could go like this and say curtain. But imagine this times a thousand. It was huge with with gold and bronze and very thick material. And when Jesus died, you read it, it says that when he died and gave up his spirit, the curtain got ripped in two, symbolizing it's open. Not that, oh, it's over. It's open. And that's what he's talking about. The curtain is his body now. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that brings faith. Okay, I want to do a test. Okay? Here's what I'm going to do. Who am I going to We're going to use Tyler. Tyler, draw near to me. See what he did? See what he did? He came. See, right away, he got up and he came towards me. That's the message. Draw near to God. So there is a reality in which... We go towards God. God has provided a way, and then we take a step towards... Thank you, by the way, for getting it right right away. Would have been embarrassing if he had waited for me to walk over there, right? Draw near to God. Get up and go near God. Go to God with a sincere heart. That's, That's it. That's the qualification. Oh, but I messed up. I've got sin. I've done wrong. I don't understand everything. That's okay. Are you sincere? Yeah. Go. Go near to God with a sincere heart, full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. There's a lot of temple. I wish I could get into that with time, okay, because I used to sprinkle. Oh, there's so much. Read about it. It's amazing. Okay, cleanse us from the guilty conscience and have our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, I want to go back to this. Cleanse from a guilty conscience. Oh, my gosh. How many of you have ever had a guilty conscience? How many have ever been haunted by a guilty conscience? Oh, let it be cleaned and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like a conscience clean. It doesn't mean you don't remember. It means you don't live in the sin and the shame and the guilt of what you've done in the past. Having our bodies bodies washed with pure water. So this morning, there may be somebody here you've never committed your life to Jesus. I'm asking you, with a sincere heart, just say to God, hey, if this what this guy's saying is real, show me. Speak to me. I promise you 100% he will. 
promise you, seen it happen a hundred times. I'll see it happen a hundred times more. Look forward to that day. So if you're here this morning and you haven't committed your life to Jesus, ask sincerely. Jesus made the way. He is the great chief priest. He made a way you can go to him directly. You don't have to go in shame. You don't have to go in fear. But something called repentance, saying we acknowledge that we are sinners. We need a savior. And he can forgive your sins and give you new life. That's the life he has promised. If you're a Christian here this morning, you've made a commitment at some point in your life, you're a saint, you're a priest, you're a king or a queen. We are called to bring a sacrifice of praise. Declare his goodness, declare his uh, kindness to the world. The world needs priests who are here to speak the love of God over the world. Share what you've been given. And if you're in a place where you find like, well, I can't share goodness, I can't share love because I don't feel like that, get that right first. Get that sorted out first. If you are struggling, if you feel like your tank's on empty, if you feel like you've wasted time, if you feel far from God, then come home today. Go to God. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to ask me. Go straight to him. But I am going to ask you to stand. Please stand with me. We're living, remember, growing in God is not a punishment. Growing in God is not a burden. It's a glorious promise. Some of us here this morning can can grow. So let us repeat verse 22 from what we read before in Hebrews 10. Let us draw near to God. So I'm asking you right now with a sincere heart, draw near to God with him in the full assurance of faith brings, having your heart sprinkled to cleanse you from any guilty conscience and having your bodies washed with pure water. If you're here this morning, just bow your heads, close your eyes, and you want to just make a commitment. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's a recommitment, maybe there's something you need to just get off your chest. You, you can go to God directly. You can do it later. By all means, you can do it later. But as Carla spoke to us earlier, maybe later is not the best time. I always feel like now is the day of salvation. And I mean like right now is the best time for things. So no pressure in the house this morning, but if you feel God speaking to you, if you feel God, if you, if you feel something, you know, before we talked about that emptiness where we don't want to focus on, well, God brings fulfillment. God brings a sense of peace, a sense of overwhelming calm and joy in your life. And if you feel the presence of God over your heart and mind right now, would you just lay, raise your hand and say, yeah, there's something I want to give to God. There's something I want to show to God. There's something I want to pray about. Could you just raise your hand with me this morning? There's just something I want to give God. Raise your hand this morning. Something you want to ask for forgiveness for, something you want to get right, something you want to clean up. Maybe for the first time in your life you want to make a commitment to God. I'm asking you just to raise your hand right now. Okay? The Bible says draw near to him. That's what you're doing right now. You're saying, God, this is me. I'm drawing near to you. Come to him with a sincere heart, with a full assurance, knowing that if you repent, he will forgive your sins and wash you as white as snow. Amen? make you brand new this morning. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you've made us saints and you've made us priests. Lord, you are the chief priest. You made a way, Lord, so we can come into the most holy place. There's nothing holding us back. There's no one in our way. There's nothing in our way. Lord, and we come to you this morning and we ask for your forgiveness. If there's things in our heart and our lives, Lord, that we're doing that uh, are sin, Lord, help us, Lord, to just repent and to turn from those things, Lord. If there's ways in us, Lord, that maybe we've kind of lost our way or we're running on empty or we're just tired, Lord, give us strength, Lord. Lord, help us, Lord, to find a way, Lord, to, to make time for you, Lord, and reading the word and praying and, Lord, just share 
sharing, Lord. And Lord, for those of us who follow you and know you, Lord, help us, Lord, to be priests out there in the world, in our homes first, Lord, in our workplaces, in our streets, Lord, wherever we are, Lord, that we're people that speak the light and love of God in the world. Help us, as you did, Lord, to dispel darkness and bring light into the world, Lord. We pray your blessing over everyone and everything we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.